This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, people, and welcome to The Dreamer's Disease with myself, Alex Manzi. On each episode, we'll hear the story of someone inspirational who is out in the world and really following their dreams and passions because I believe that it's the disease of dreaming and not taking action that causes us to live unhappy lives. So we try to gain some wisdom and some motivation from each guest so that you guys can go out there and do something that you love. On this week's episode, I am joined by a young man by the name of Zach Washington Young. And to be completely honest, and not to discredit anyone else I've had on the podcast, it is just simply the most inspiring story I have ever heard. And I really think you guys are going to love this one. Zach was involved in a devastating crash in 2012, which left him with a severed spinal cord where he was paralyzed from the hip down and was told that he would never walk again. And earlier this year, Zach managed to complete the London Marathon on his feet with the assistance of crutches and become the first ever person who suffered from a severed spinal cord to complete the London Marathon. It's just completely inspiring and amazing. So we hear his journey from how he got from this horrible situation to completing such a massive feat and a huge task. And he spoke a lot about the influence of having a positive support network around him to help him get through the tough times and everything that he's been through. And to show real testament to Zach's achievement, the charity that he represents, the Ruprice Spinal Trust, they received a 75,000 pound grant from an event called Next Giving Day. And their picture is based solely on Zach's marathon achievements. And the day after we recorded this podcast, he went down to himself to collect the check and it's just, it just goes to show what a magnificent feat it is. And as I said, you guys are really going to love this one. Zach's an amazing guy. But before we do jump in, as ever, I want to thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and each episode and your favorite guests, etc. But I don't want to hold you up anymore. Let's jump straight in and hear Zach's story. As you said, my name is Zach Washington Young and I am a spinal cord injury ambassador. Um, I'm a full-time athlete and what we're doing at the moment is we are effectively changing the perception of spinal cord injury recovery. I've just became the first person in history to complete a marathon distance on foot after suffering a severance of the spinal cord. So it is a big journey that we're on mm. and um, yeah, which it's... We're sparking a movement yeah. in paralysis recovery right now. Yeah. So, which is amazing, man. And you know, having seen your journey f- for like the last few months, and I was introduced to you by the guys from Wrinkle, and you know, seeing the kind of marathon stuff you've done and all the training, you know, part of the reason why we're here now is to kind of discuss how that journey's gone because you've done the real in depth on the Wrinkle podcast, and I wanted to kind of get the okay. So you covered up everything up until. The marathon until we was just so about to do now it. it's like right how did you get prepared for that marathon and hear the kind of story you went on within yeah. that um but just to give us all some context and you know as you said you're you're um an ambassador for spinal cord injuries and can you just explain a bit about before the injury what was your life about and what was it you know what what were you the things you were into and you would enjoy you know what was your life could just paint a sort of mini picture i guess of what your life was like before. yeah so i mean i was always a very active person um sport and physical activity has been in my blood since since i could walk as a mm-hmm. as a child um, football was my background mm-hmm. but i've always been pretty um pretty well-rounded in terms of like multi-sport you know so i i, I always had a good kind of take for 
any sort of physical activity, I guess. On top of that, I was... I've always been someone who's been very passionate about life. So, I mean, I was traveling around South America when I was 20, mm. solo with a guitar on my back, just playing to anyone who'd listen, you know. Yeah. So, I've always... Um, yeah, I've always kind of been full of full of life and yeah. vavavoom, I guess, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. it's... Um, I think that those two things is what really helped me to to, to, to make a success out of this journey that, I've been, yeah. that I'm on now, you know. So, I am... Um, I am someone who appreciates being here. I believe that now I've been given a second chance. We haven't touched on the background of how I was injured yet, but mm. you know I came very close to to losing my yeah. life. So I think all of these things kind of come together to paint a, you know, a solid. Yeah, and then so then, can you give us the, I guess the detail as well of of, of the actual injury itself and how it happened and where you were in that kind of moment of time and you know what you kind of went through. Yeah, so I initially I'd been to a music festival called Bestival, which is on the Isle of Wight. And we were in a festival for five days or so. And then we were on the bus on the way home. And about an hour into the journey, we were on a motorway going 60 miles an hour and the front left tyre exploded. So there was a blowout. The driver lost control of the vehicle. And... The coach went off-road and collided headfirst into a huge oak tree. The tree was about 400 years old, so it was really heavily rooted, mm -hmm. and the tree didn't move. So the whole of the coach took all of the impact. And yeah. Me and a friend of mine called Michael Malloy, who sadly we lost in the accident, we were sat behind the driver on the front row. Oh, wow. So that's the basics of how I was injured. Yeah. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt at the time. It was actually proven in court that that saved my life. Really? But, yeah, because I had no belt on, I got thrown out of the windscreen and on impact with the floor, my spine was shattered. Mm. So it's a, it's called a burst fracture, the injury that I sustained. So my L1 vertebrae shattered in the same sense that a block of ice would shatter if you throw it against the floor. Mm. And then the, 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 the shattered fragments of bone sliced through my spinal cord yeah and it is that you know to, to give some context to how bad the, that is you know what does that generally mean for someone who suffers from a severed spinal cord yeah generally it means that you're dealing with paralysis for life now that was my prognosis <clears throat> that was what i was for the first 18 24 months that's what i was kind of shaping up mm. to deal with so, I mean, yeah, that's the general consensus. That is the scientific exception, you know, mm -hmm. the factual exception, I guess. And, yeah, that's what it means yeah. in short, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I was very fortunate to come across an incredible recovery centre called Prime Physio in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, my parents did a lot of extensive re research and we were kind of tipped off about this it's like a miracle doctor centre that's yeah. going on in Cambridge now. So that's the mission that I'm on now as an ambassador for spinal cord injury recovery. I'm now trying to give other people the opportunity to access yeah. this amazing centre in Cambridge. Yeah. So, and I think it's testament really to like how, like, even just the way you've spoken about the incident literally a few seconds ago and how you've kind of propelled yourself forward in terms of your 
mental state as well as you know where you've got yourself in a physical sense but when you do recount that moment what kind of what goes through you now uh, you know as you're telling that story again of how it happened what's the kind of feelings and emotions that it, it brings to life of the actual <coughs> the actual incident, incident the actual crash and I guess it's a bit of a tough one. I mean, the first thing that constantly comes into my head is our friend Michael, who mm. we lost. That's the first thing. I was actually knocked unconscious straight away. I mean, it all happened so fast. Yeah. So the majority of my kind of recollections of the the incident is what I was thinking before it happened. Mm. We just finished the festival. I was sat on the coach kind of, you know, just daydreaming out the window. I was just about to start my final year in my law degree. So I was kind of like getting myself into the zone there yeah. and I was thinking, okay, summer's over. Um, you know, final final year of uni is about to start. Kind of screw your head back on now. And and then that happened. There's a big kind of blackout point throughout it all. And then I remember coming to my senses outside the coach mm. and it was just pandemonium I, I'm sure you can imagine yeah. you know there was there was police and fire brigades everywhere you know there was there was a helicopter there waiting for me to take me away mm. and I was just screaming the words no 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 repeatedly something like off 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 of a horror movie yeah, if you like yeah. you know it was it was intense but yeah I mean it's difficult to to really say what was going through my head because it was just so traumatic I guess yeah. you know it was intense yeah and that's that's what I remember yeah it's not a problem for me remembering it and it's the reality of what happened yeah but yeah it's pandemonium yeah. when I think about it yeah, yeah I can imagine I mean literally can only imagine and I really what one thing I really admire about you is the fact that you can use it as a fuel to to better yourself in a way and, and push for greater things and not let it be a burden on you know, as it could have been. And, you know, I think the interesting part for me as well is the journey you've gone on from from the accident to, you know, through your recovery, to getting yourself to a position where, like you said, you completed the marathon. Yeah. But what was that period like between meeting the guys at Prime Physio? Because from what I understand and listening to other interviews and stuff, that was quite a almost as traumatic a time in terms of the things that doctors were telling you yeah, and exactly. the, the fighting you had to do with, you know, board it, members and all this kind of it, stuff. It was tough. I mean, we, we, we've kind of really been through hell and back with this stuff, but, you know, it's important to not let something, a traumatic experience in your life kind of define you like that, you know. Mm. it's um, you've, you've got to try and use it as a way to, to shape yourself, to, to create a better you. Mm. So <clears throat> I spent... 12 months, you know, really, really kind of thinking along those lines and really trying to fight things psychologically. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew deep down that physically I had it in me. Yeah. If anyone would have given me a glimmer of uh, an opportunity. But unfortunately, in in hospital, simply because of what the medical textbooks would dictate, mm. you know, I wasn't given that opportunity. Yeah. And as a family, we begged and we pleaded and we fought with every kind of medical professional consultant that we come across and we were just shot down again and again and again and patronized and told to be real, you know? Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it was a really tough time. 
after about six months of listening to the same stuff again and again, mm. the penny starts to drop in the end. So it wasn't until we met Prime Physio that I started to think with a different approach, you yeah. know, a different angle. So had you got to a point then where you'd kind of, I guess, accepted started that? Started to accept yeah, it. Yeah, I'm never going to walk again. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Um, that's why I credit these guys in Cambridge so much. Um, that's why I'm so keen now to play my part in, in the recovery world. Um, the charity that I'm representing at the moment, the Reprice Spinal Trust, what they specialise in is <clears throat> sending people to Prime Physio, mm. particularly Prime Physio. So I've got first-hand experience with how just one week in this place can affect and change the mindset of the individual. So, um, yeah, you know, that's really important to me. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm passionate about it yeah. and I'm, I'm proud to, to play yeah. a positive role now yeah. in this area. I think this is the first time I've seen you as well and you've not had your uh, prime physio Me sporty jersey. On. Spo <laughs> yeah, you normally wear that, you know, like you said, with yeah. real kind of pride because yeah, man, of, course. of what it represents to you yeah. and, and for potentially other people and people they've helped in the past. Um, but ha so what was the moment then with working with them where you thought these are the guys who are going to help me? It was it was literally just after a week. So again, the penny kind of dropped when I just figured out after, and I figured it out pretty fast. I was like, I'm just training here. Mm. I'm just I'm just exercising. I mean, okay, I'm doing I'm adapting the exercises and the new routines and exercises to me, but effectively, I'm I'm just working my body in the mm. same way as if I was doing a football training session previously. So. Um, that was the most important thing for me and that was the thing that I was, you know, that when I figured that out, I was really able to to make the progress excel, you know? Yeah. And was there a real, like, moment, I guess, where, because up until this point you were paralysed, weren't you, from, from, I guess, the hips down, was it? Yep, from the hips down. So what was the, where was the moment that actually that changed, if that makes sense? It was about... Three months after we first went to Prime Physio. So, I mean, first and foremost, what I realised when we were going to Prime was, okay, these guys are working my body. Mm. So, even if we don't get any any leg activity back, you know, my core's still going to get stronger, my upper mm. body's going to get stronger, life's going to get easier, quality of life will improve. Yeah. So... You know, we we kind of gave it a thumbs up as a family that we were going to give this thing a shot, and we were commuting here and there. Because they're based in they're Cambridge, based in Cambridge, and you yeah. Were still in Liverpool. Well, we were still in Liverpool yeah. at this point, so we commuted for twelve months. Wow. At first, and at first it was like maybe every six weeks we'd go, then every four, then every three, and we kind of upped the the, the consistency that, mm. that that we were going. And then one fine day in the shower, I was kind of just sitting there and. I mean, prior to this moment, I was constantly trying to send signals to the legs anyway. That was yeah. just something that naturally yeah. you want to do when you if say you're paralyzed. send signals, what, what do you mean by that? Well, basically, you've got two nervous systems going on in the body. So yeah. we've got a sensory system and a motor system. Yeah. So sensory is if you're to touch your leg at the moment uh, uh, and, you know, an impulse travels up through the spinal cord. Yeah. 
um, and your brain will register. And there's many different things that it can register, hot and cold, you know, yeah. pain. Um, and then you've got your motor system. So that literally means every time you want to take any form of movement, make any form of movement, you'll think about it first. You'll make a conscious decision yeah. to to send these in, these these neurons throughout your body yeah. to the selected muscle. Yeah. So naturally, because I was paralyzed, I was constantly all day trying to trying to do this and trying mm -hmm. to establish a connection, but to no prevail. And then, yeah, after we'd been going to Prime for maybe three months, one day, I guess it just happened. Yeah. It was um, the largest muscle in my quadricep on the left leg, rectus femoris. And it kind of just started to flicker. So we're talking literally a tiny contraction like that yeah. in my forearm now. But this was the eureka moment and this yeah. was what we'd wanted. And it was so far away from where I wanted to be. Mm. But, it, you know, it was a big step in the right direction. Yeah. And was, was it like a, or how much of a sense of relief and excitement and, you know, this is this can be a real thing now. Did you have at that at that moment? Still not much, to be yeah. honest. I think everyone else around me was happier f for this moment mm. than myself. <clears throat> I I was still I was still adamant that I wasn't going to walk again yeah. at this point because I I mean you know I'm the guy who's living it. It it, it was it, it's it's really difficult to describe. But yeah. when you physically can't move a limb. Mm how do you make that happen you know <clears throat> so yeah it was amazing but it didn't make me happy if anything though it motivated me to to crack on yeah you know and then what were the next steps with prime that you took to kind of take that from being just a, a flicker in your left quad to getting the right quad going to getting yeah you know all the other muscles working. this is the bit that i love now so <laughs> basically <laughs> I mean, this is when I really started to figure it out. Yeah. Because once we've once we establish a contraction, yeah, then the same rules, principles, all the same fundamentals, you know, apply to regular health and fitness. Now, because I already had a solid background in this, I understood it. Like I, I went back to Cambridge, I presented this small contraction, mm. <clears throat> and my physio was like, right, okay, give me twenty five reps. And it's like 25 reps of, of this, yeah. just do this. So I don't strictly mean just do this. Like he had all sorts of different methods yeah. to work this muscle yeah. and the surrounding muscles, you know, and this is combined with electrostimulation yeah. to optimize the chances of neuroplasticity, which yeah. is just trying to fire nervous impulses yeah. to the muscles. I guess it's like the making it a regular connection yeah, as, you, yeah. as you put it rather yeah. than just like a one-off yeah. it's like exactly, if you can man. give me 25 yeah we can make this a more regular we can make it stronger yeah. and then hopefully the surrounding muscles may wake up too with the help of the electrostimulation and um yeah i mean the basics of it is if you it once you can move it work it mm. harder and harder and harder and push it so so we did, you know, yeah. and, and here we are now. Yeah, and what were the kind of, I guess, exercises then that you were doing and they were they were putting you through to to get those working and, you know, because it's, it's a long way to go to have just a slight flicker in your left quad yeah. to actually been able to get your, your legs almost Moving pretty and firing. much, yeah. you know, fully working almost and being up on your feet and, you know, with assistance of crutches walking, yeah. you know, what were the kind of exercises you had to go through and the kind of 
patterns and you know everything else the routines that yeah. came with that well firstly they 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 they, they change you know they, they change as as progress changes <clears throat> then the program must change also so at first i mean it, it, it there was a lot of electrical stimulation going on <clears throat> But there was also a hell of a lot of... I mean, what I loved about it at first was the cardio kick. Because I was in a wheelchair for so long, yeah. I really started to put weight on. And we've got some we've got some footage of when I first started to go to Prime Physio. And I'm a different person altogether. Yeah. That's why I got into swimming. We, we'll touch on that later. Mm. But I really needed some sort of... um kind of outlet for cardiovascular training. So... One of the most motivating exercises that we did in the early days was <clears throat> getting on a bike. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't producing any of the movements, of, of the motion of the, the cycle at first, but it was just this kind of <clears throat> super motivating thing for me at the time. I was like, whoa, I've, I've just been in a wheelchair and now I'm on a bike. Mm. So even that psychologically is kind of, uh, you know, yeah. changing the mindset of the person and getting you thinking along the right tracks. Yeah. So... At first on the bike, um, one physio would be sat on the left and one would be on the right. And they would literally be holding the feet and moving the legs around. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what what are these crazy people doing? Put me on this bike, I'm paralysed here, like, get me off. Yeah. But they just used to say, you know, just try and find something. Even if, even if, you get, even if you're just generating one watt of power from the hip, or even from your oblique, if you can, even if you're just forcing it down that way, yeah. just do it, you know? So, I mean, I guess a lot of it was kind of, I don't want to say trial and error, but it felt that way to me at yeah. the time. It felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere, to be honest. Mm. But I still used to do it, because at the end of the day, I was training, and I, I knew that I needed that. Yeah, I get the feel-good endorphins that, yeah. that you get when you so, work out. Yeah. It's, it's all the same to me. So... I mean, that's what I'm trying to do now when I said at the start that I'm kind of changing the perception of spinal cord injury mm. recovery. When we talk about physio, <clears throat> people think about, you know, just the generic stuff in, 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 in you know, stand, sitting there with the TheraBand, just moving your arm from left to right, yeah. so people throwing balls at you. And it's not that, it's it's intense. It's sport. I see it as sport. Yeah. I treat myself as a professional athlete now. Mm. I live the same lifestyle as a prof as a professional footballer would, you know, yep. same kind of season. Mm. My season's just finished, for example. Yeah. And um, and yeah, that's the mission that we're on now to yeah. try and to try and spread this message that, yeah. that it's possible. And did you get a sense through that whole process of being on the bike and all the other sort of, I guess, exercises that you went through that the physios themselves were like confident that they could get things functioning again, or were they kind of like? as hopeful as you were, if that makes sense. Yeah, one of the amazing things about Prime Physio is when you're kind of dealing with someone's personal situation like that, I always think this about my physio, he, he's like a psychologist as well, you know? Mm. He really has to be able to tap into the individual's mind. <clears throat> and they will always provide motivation or hope in whatever capacity that, that you need it, I guess, yeah. without even without telling you that that's what they're doing, you know. I've figured this out because I've spent so much time with them now and we know each other inside out, but 
Um, yeah, in short, to answer your question, yeah, they are hopeful. It was the it was the first and only time because we'd visit we'd seen a hell of a lot of physios before we went to this place, and no one had any motivation. You know, no one really wanted to even work with us because they just saw us as a no hope case. Yeah. So it was the first time that like someone really meant business. Mm. No one's gonna give you any sort of false hope though. <clears throat> no one's gonna kind of say, right, okay, if you stay with me for two years, you will walk. Yeah. But like I said, you know, it, it was just, it was it was all positive and that's yeah. what we needed at that moment yeah. in time. So what I said in the early days in the hospital was give me half a chance of an opportunity and I'll dedicate my life to it. Yeah. So, you know, fortunately enough, we, we made a good team and a good connection yeah. and, you know, it's excelled from there. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the amazing thing is hearing you going from that situation of being in a wheelchair for... 18 months did you say i mean in total i was in it for about four years because really? oh, wow. yeah a lot of people have the perception that one day you just get up and out of it and yeah. that's it you have to go through a long transition yeah. period yeah so i mean i think it was only about six months ago when i completely left the chair behind to be honest yeah. with you i've been really? walking again for maybe three years wow but i would still jump in it back home and yeah. use it sometimes yeah sometimes if the legs are really tired yeah well, you know what i mean yeah because you know the muscles aren't as developed as they, yeah, they would exactly, have been and, and the rest of it exactly so, do you remember then when it was that you took well i suppose you do remember but when it was you took your first steps yeah of course um but again because of what i'm talking about with transition periods yeah there's so many examples of first steps that i could give you yeah Technically, I took my first steps when I first went to Prime Physio, but that was in an exoskeleton suit. Okay. And so, for those who don't know what an exoskeleton is, <clears throat> it's kind of a robotic suit that you strap yourself into, I guess. It has sensory feedback underneath the soles of the feet, and you have to lean over to one side. And I mean, you'd have to really train to use this efficiently, mm. but you lean over to one side and the sensors that it has will find what we call the sweet spot. So once we find this sweet spot, naturally the machine will take a step with the right leg. Yeah. And then we lean over to the right, find that sweet spot again, and then it will take a step with the left. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, the XO plays a really important part in the rehabilitation process. So it gives a lot of people hope in the early days too, because I used to think, Basically, all I wanted at first was to be able to be on two feet, mm. even just for photographs and stuff. You find out that as you go through this progress, you find yourself wanting more and more and more. Yeah, of course. That's just natural, you know. <clears throat> but in the early days, people just want to stand. People just want to spend a few minutes out of the wheelchair. So, yeah, the XO is amazing. <clears throat> but it's still not functional, if that makes sense. Yeah. You couldn't live your life in it. But... Yeah, it provides the person the opportunity to take some steps. And as you're developing and kind of generating more muscle strength as the as the process goes on, it, um, you know, it allow, it gives the body an, an opportunity to re-establish mm. this motion of walking, which is so important, you know, yeah. because obviously it hasn't done it for so long. Yeah. So that was the first time. But the first real time that I'd class as walking again mm. was probably about two years after that, I think. We just went full-time 
It was about 18 months after. So we were full-time in Prime Physio at this point. And, I mean, progress had, uh, had kind of started to excel now. So I was walking in water, for example. And then after water came walking with full leg calipers, which is braces in short, yeah. you know. Uh, one leg got stronger than the other, faster. So we were walking with one full leg caliper and one without. Mm -hmm. And then when the second caliper came off and I started to really take, when I say baby steps, I mean so slow and so small. But I took about five steps one day with no braces on. Yeah. On a Zimmer frame, probably 80% of my weight was going through the upper body on the frame. But this is the first time that a mm. class has, yeah. has taken steps yet. And this, for me, was the real Eureka moment, yeah. Because yeah. this is when we all really... I remember the physio saying that he gave him shivers at the time, and mm. we all kind of knew that there was something special brewing, yeah. you know. And how did that feel to you, having gone through so much over... How long a period was that? Three, four years? To 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 reach that moment where, you, you know, you can class it as... As walking. As walking. What was the kind of... You know, what was going through your mind? What what was your, yeah. you know, how, how was your body feeling? So amazing, man. Yeah. So euphoric, honestly, because like I said, you know, I'd kind of, I was dreaming of this stuff every second of every day for, for years, mm -hmm. you know? So it was a real point of satisfaction. And, but that being said, you know, I was still so far away from where I wanted to be. I'm still so far away from where I want to be now, you yeah. know? So, I mean, we live by this motto, better never stops. Yeah. We, um, we've, me and a friend of mine have opened a, a gym in Liverpool and um, I've got a lot of spinal injury recovery facilities in the gym now. Yeah. So we allow, sorry, we give other, we give people in Liverpool the opportunity to go to this gym. <clears throat> but yeah, um, the philosophy kind of stands better never stops in yeah. whatever aspect. It's an MMA gym with a spinal injury recovery yeah. twist to it. Oh, wow, but okay. we all kind of live by this rule. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, it was amazing, but I'm still constantly just thinking yeah. this, like, I can do better, yeah. I can do better, I can do better. Yeah. And wh where does that mentality come from? Because that is a, I mean, it is a very natural mentality, I guess, but from a athlete's point of view, where do you get that mentality from? I think a lot of it has been defined by the injury that I've been through, to be honest. Yeah, I always was an athlete, but I never took anything anywhere near as seriously as I do now, you know. Mm. When when you find that your life's on the line, you'll, you, you know, you're really, you'll be surprised at how far you're willing to push yourself, how, how much you're really willing to dedicate yourself, you know. So, yeah, to answer your question, it's the crash that has shaped this. This is what I was talking about before. You know, mm. it's important to not be defined by what's happened, yeah. but to, you know, use that to shape you, to 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 make yourself a, a better you. You know, yeah. so yeah, it's 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 completely down to the crash, man. Yeah. yeah, which is you know, as I've said it already a number of times, it's just incredible that you can use that to fuel you. And but <laughs> the the bit that like I genuinely find hilarious and like I guess the best way I could possibly mean it is how did you get from those little baby steps to then having a marathon <laughs> in your sights because that bananas, I it? mean 
if you told anyone that, you'd literally be like, that that's a that's a movie script. That's yeah. not that's not real life. So how did that transition happen between taking those first few little tiny steps to actually I'm gonna take on a marathon, which is twenty six miles of pure, you know, on your feet and you've got to give it a go. Yeah. yeah, man. Again, it's 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 that motto again, better never stops. So basically what's happened is we started taking a few baby steps and it's amazing because we've actually got all of this recorded. Mm. We've got all the significant milestones marked in terms of walking and we've actually put them all together now on a video that we've got on my YouTube channel. Mm. So YouTube channel is just Zach Washington Young, my name, by the way. So how do you get to that point? <clears throat> At first, I wasn't thinking about long distances, you know. I'm just thinking, okay, I've took five steps now. I want to take ten. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, let's say two weeks later, I'm t I've took ten steps. And then two weeks later, I've took twenty, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, in between these milestones, there's a full-time Monday to Friday, prof you know, strict training camp mentality program going on yeah whereby i'm treating myself as a professional athlete like i said at yeah. first so you can't just do 10 and then 20 and then 40 just off the cuff you know there's a there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to reach these milestones <clears throat> but i'd say i i don't really know a time frame on it maybe kind of a year mm. after i started taking baby steps I remember thinking to myself, right, okay, I'm walking pretty comfortably inside now. So I wanted to test how I do outdoors. Yeah. So I went to a park in Liverpool called Sefton Park. And the idea was to just walk for 20 minutes on a Zimmer frame. Yeah. See how far we got. You know, if I was feeling good, we were going to push it to 30 max. And what happened was we were walking around a lake. In, in Liverpool, so we got to 20 and I was naturally, I, I get in the zone, you know, I usually peak about 30 minutes into a workout, yeah. so 30 minutes in and, and you know, we're, we're really flowing with this mm. and we'd done half a mile in 30 minutes and um, so yeah, we kind of decided to push it. He was like, okay, we've done half a mile in 30 minutes now. Sports, athlete mentality. Yeah. We want to do a mile in under an hour. Yeah. Push it harder. And I was with me two mates. One of them is a PT. So he's talking to me. He's coaching me through it, you know. And uh, and we've done it. We hit a mile. Another thing was that we'd walked halfway around the lake and we had to get back. <laughs> so <laughs> we had to do it either way in the end, man. Um, so that was a success. That was the first mile done, yeah. and I went home that night and really started to th to think. And I was like, okay, so we've done a mile here. That's that's serious stuff. Yeah. W what's next? And I think it was about six months later. Again, six months of full time training. I decided to try and do a five k in Liverpool. <clears throat> so we'd done the five k in. I think it was three hours. Yeah. It took us to do five k. Six months later, I mean, what are you going to do after a 5K? Then I'm thinking, all right, I want to do a 10K. So we entered a big event in, in Barcelona. Um, got the 10K done in in three hours. 
which again shows a huge kind of improvement in terms yeah. of speed and quality. After 10K, if you want to double that, that's more or less a half marathon. 21K yeah. is a half marathon. Mm. So I, I think I'd give myself another six months to prep for that. So it, in the meantime, I'd linked up with a top um, a master specialist in spinal injury recovery, um, Professor Taylor Kevin Isaacs, who works out of Northridge, California. Um, the Center of Restorative Exercise is the center, is the place. So I went out there to meet him and see if he saw any potential, see if he liked what we were doing, and we made an amazing connection. Mm. So I trained for a couple of months out there, prep for the half marathon, you know, done that successfully and after the half that's when things started to kind of happen mm. a lot of attention was was kind of traffic was going my way on social media and stuff and um you know where are you gonna go after a half <laughs> go for the full thing i yeah. wanted to do the full one man so from that point <coughs> you've decided now you know a full marathon is very much on your mind and achievable and you start planning for it prepping for it training for it what did what did you have to go through you know physically mentally you know everything that was involved in that preparation and training for a full 26 mile to actually do the marathon marathon yeah so a lot of it comes down to balance for me so what happened was after the half marathon i just finished a long training camp anyway i think i think it was about a three month solid training camp and when i say solid training camp i mean in the same sense that you know, Conor McGregor would go into a world title fight. Um, I've got a lot of friends in the combat sports world, professional mm. fighters, fighting for the UFC, ACB, Bellator, things like that. So I'm around that 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 mindset a yeah. lot. So I've done a three-month training camp for the half, but then after that, it's kind of chill time for me. So I get my head back together. I had a nice summer, done a bit of travelling and stuff. Um, and then round about October, I think it was, I decided that we were going to start a very long training camp. So it, it actually, I think it was about November really when it really started to get serious. Mm. I kind of warmed into the marathon training camp with like a month transition period, you know? Yeah. Around about November, I really started to kind of screw my head on. So the prep consisted of, um, I'm a swimmer as well, so I am a national champion with British swimming in the 50 metre freestyle. So I had a national championships to deal with in December, okay, yeah. which was an amazing way to warm into this. Yeah. So the swimming's always complemented the recovery, you know. Swimming's always just been another recovery session, sorry, another physio session for me. Mm. In the early days, like I said, I needed to do cardio. So it, it, it was an amazing way to do cardio, but it was also a real release from the wheelchair because I was out of the wheelchair in the water. I felt free and kind of... You know, it, it was the closest feeling to what life used to be like prior to the accident that I could find. Mm. So that's why I got into swimming. <clears throat> anyway, we done the national championships, which led up to December. And then I flew 
literally the day after that I didn't want to leave any stone unturned for yeah. this marathon like I literally hit it like so hardcore it was so like intense but so, so professional as well you know and mm. um, so yeah done the nationals in the swimming and then mid-December flew out to California to train again with Taylor Kevin Isaacs yeah. for two months so it was a full-time training routine <clears throat> and the way I kind of mapped it out in my head was I think I had about five or six months in total to to reach the point of 26.2 miles. Now, obviously, because I just came off the back of the summer, yeah, it had been a while now. And after the summer, I then had a swim-specific program going on. Yeah. So it, it had been a while since I'd done any long-distance walking. Mm. So... I got to California, I kind of got settled and stuff, <clears throat> and then we kicked it off on Christmas Day, which is quite interesting. So I wrote Christmas Day off, and um, I had bigger things on my plate than Christmas yeah, yeah. Day last year. So, and what else I found was <clears throat> it was an amazing way to launch my fundraising campaign. So yeah. because I'm representing the charity, obviously I've run a fundraising campaign with alongside this marathon you know this marathon achievement that we've just done so i needed to get it out there on on social media that we were doing it <clears throat> so i thought what's a powerful way to do that and christmas day actually fell on a training day for me yeah and like i said i, I don't want to skip a training day if i'm prepping for the biggest challenge in my life yeah. <clears throat> so i took myself off to a beach called redondo beach and i decided to do a 10k oh, wow so 10k was a milestone that we'd hit maybe two years previously yeah but what I did for the marathon-specific camp was I went through all their milestones again. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we done a 10K Christmas Day, and I kind of done a video online in a charity T-shirt with a with a you know a stupid Santa's hat on and all yeah. that. Like, <laughs> but it worked because it sparked people's attention, you yeah. know, and I and I think that it made people realize, wow, this this guy's not messing around. He's, he's on his own on the other side of the world on Christmas yeah. Day here without any family or, or, or anything. So <clears throat> that got done. Um, I'd say maybe about six weeks later, I, I then went to Yosemite Park yeah. in California <clears throat> where I walked a half marathon. So again, talking about milestones. But in between these two milestones, again, is a full-on training routine yeah. with top specialist professor Taylor Kevin Isaacs. Um, I took myself down to San Diego to train with a top swimming coach down there because I had an international swimming event coming up shortly after the marathon. Mm -hmm. So I kind of needed to keep on top of that. So yeah, it was a combination of walking, strength and conditioning, cardio training. Yeah. And hitting these milestones, you know, yeah. and a bit of swimming. So we went to Yosemite. It was amazing in Yosemite. What, what it's all about for me as well, it's important that I thrive when I do this stuff. Yeah. It's important that I see all this as an adventure. Like I was saying in the early days about traveling and always having a real passion and, you know, kind of just zest for life, mm. if that makes sense. I can't do these long distance walking events just on any on any road, you know. I need to be around natural scenic beauty. I need to thrive. I need to feel alive, mm. you know. So, like I said, I've came so close to losing my life now. So, 
every time I do this, it gives me a new kick, you know, a new kind of like burst of energy of life. And <clears throat> so Yosemite was an amazing place to do that. We all couldn't believe how beautiful it was. And um, and it got done. It was intense, though. It was mm -hmm. really intense because it got dark and you're literally in the middle of nowhere. So what happened in the end was <clears throat> we had, we'd covered about, I mean, a half marathon's 21K. Yeah. So we'd covered about 15K and it went dark. And I mean, pitch black. Yeah. No, like, street lights anywhere oh, wow. or anything like that. So we had to, we, we decided to walk back to the car using torches at first. And then my friends who I was with at the time, they jumped in the car, put the hazards on behind me, mm. blasted like the Rolling Stones out of, out of the car as, as loud as they could. So I need music to fuel me up. Yeah. And uh, and they had the, the full beams on behind me. And we've got all this filmed and it's pretty epic footage yeah, as well, to be honest. It, yeah. It's amazing, man. Um, so yeah, the half marathon got hit. I came home from California. I had three months left to hit the marathon. So what we did was I moved back to Cambridge, which is where this whole journey began. Mm -hmm. And I, I went full time for three months in prime physio. I knew once I was in their hands, I was going to be good. You know, I trust them people so much with my body and my recovery. Yeah. You know, all I, as long as I turn up, we'll get the job done. Mm. So the next milestone I wanted to hit, you know, a half is still miles away from a full really. So I wanted to hit a 20 mile. Okay. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if I can get up to 20 miles, <clears throat> then I'll push the other six out on the day. So we'd done a lot of training in Cambridge and then I flew to Barcelona to do the 21 miles, sorry, 20 miles. Yeah. I'll tell you about the other one in a minute. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, we flew to Barcelona and again, talking about I need to thrive. So I live in Barcelona. That's my favorite place in the world. Yeah. So we flew out there. We picked a really scenic route, and yeah, we 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 got to work. Um, my friend and coach, mentor Dean Garner, flew out to coach me through it all. <coughs> we had a heart rate monitor on. We do a lot of heart rate training. Yeah. So it's important to keep the heart in different zones. Do you have zone one to five? Um, we wanted to stay in zone three, really. I've got a tendency to push myself a little bit more, so mm. we, we were in zone four. We, we averaged zone four. But, yeah, the point was is that we were conditioning the heart to work for this amount of time yeah. in this at this intensity, you know. So, 20 miles got done, and I, I've kind of got this thing that I've always I've always said, one more, one more even if it's just in terms of repetition. So yeah. what we do in Prime Physio is we work to uh, with a principle called strength endurance. So the intensity is always high, but it's not just a set of eight like people will do in the gym or yeah. 12 max. It's 25 every time. Yeah. But I'll, I'll then push for one more most of the time, you know, <laughs> when I'm in the... You have off days, don't yeah, you? But most of the time. <clears throat> so yeah, 20 miles got done. And then we decided to push for one more. We finished at an amazing place in Barcelona called the Arc de Triomphe. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge kind of arc and it's a finish line, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it's called the Arc of Triumph, you know. Yeah. So 
all of this kind of it's all I use all this to my advantage, yeah, you know, psychologically. So I've just done a big triumph there at the end. Yeah. <clears throat> um that got done. And once we'd done twenty one miles, we kinda knew that we had the marathon in the bag. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'd say maybe five weeks later the marathon came upon us. So the training wasn't too intense for the for, for say three weeks leading up to it. We caught you have a thing in sports called um you know, taper tapering. Yeah. A, a, a taper week where you'll kind of ease off the intensity. The hard work's in the bag. You, you can't get any fitter and stronger in the yeah. last week or two, really. Yeah. So yeah, you, we'd done twenty one miles and I knew the twenty six was in the bag. However, yeah. <laughs> what I wasn't ready for, which is quite an interesting factor is 26.2 miles is and I found this out after I'd finished it <laughs> <laughs> 26.2 miles is a perfect straight line from the midpoint of the start line yeah from the middle of the start line to the middle of the finish yeah if you were to literally draw with a ruler kind of thing you know what yeah. I mean that's <clears throat> perfectly straight line from start to finish in the middle of the road, you walk 26.2 miles. Yeah. We clocked up 29 by the end. <coughs> really? So, yeah. So, our phones between mine and our cameraman's phones, yeah. his was 29 and mine was 30. Yeah. So, I mean, <coughs> what you find is you're going in and out of things and obstacles yeah. and yeah. you're going over here and you're going over there. Crossing you're, roads, you're taking and, little toilet yeah. breaks. Yeah. What we did as well was the way we we decided to tackle the marathon itself on a day was every three hours we decided to stop for a twenty minute pit stop. So my left quad really cramps up when I'm yeah. doing long distance walking. So I had two coaches who'd done the whole thing with me, Dean Garnett and Joe Neal, and every three hours a yoga mat would be thrown on the floor, and I'd jump on it. Yeah. And it would be like 20 minutes of recovery, massage and stretch. <clears throat> so the two coaches would really go to town like yeah. in the same sense that like people do in a pit stop on, yeah, it, on yeah. it with an F1 car, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like, let's get this job done fast and get back on the road. So we split it into three hours. Um, eight hours down, the roads reopened, which caused further complications, I guess. Yeah. Um... Again, all of this is just a con con all of these are just contributing factors to the distance that you're covering, you know. Because yeah. <clears throat> there was time. I mean, we were in a shopping centre at one point because there was like a bridge that we needed to get up. Which by the time eight hours later, the roads were open, yeah. and it, it was like crazy chaotic, like sixty mile an hour cars going up and oh, down. Really? It would have okay. been insane to try and tackle it. Yeah. So we had to take a diversion and we went like inside this weird tunnel somewhere up an elevator. We was in an elevator with this guy who worked in the shopping center at one point. <coughs> I had the headphones on, jumping up and down. You know, like you see yeah. someone jogging at the lights, keeping yeah. warm. I'm just in this elevator, like jumping up and down. And he must have thought, wow, these guys are on a, some mission today. Yeah. But we were, we, we were yeah. on one. We were, yeah. I was just in autopilot all day long. Yeah. And it was intense, but, you know, we, we got the job done. And yeah. I'm so glad that we did now because, if anything, I just needed to prove a point to myself. Yeah. 
not to anyone else really it's amazing that it's catching on now and particularly other people in similar situations are finding kind of motivation and inspiration yeah. i guess from it 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean that's i mean that brings me on to the journey that we're on now yeah at first this was all just about proving a point to myself but obviously because it's became to you know because it's developed into such a powerful and meaningful journey with a lot of value to other people now mm. It's, um, yeah, now we're on a quest to change things for others now. Yeah. Um, every year I'm planning to set a huge endurance challenge similar to the marathon, but the next one might be swimming or cycling or the idea is that, a med you know, in the early days, medical professionals would have insisted that these things were impossible to complete. Yeah. And I'll run a fundraising campaign every time. And hopefully every time more awareness will be raised, more funds will be raised, and then more people will be given access to Prime Physio in Cambridge. Yeah, so yeah incredible. It's going to be a beautiful thing, man. To, to just wind it back a tiny bit to the marathon itself, what? so what was your final time in terms of completing it? 11 hours 45 is what we've got a clock there. Which um, is, you know it's a long time to be walking like you said through central london and yeah once the roads and stuff do yeah. open it's it's carnage at times yeah yeah i mean it, it was an amazing time yeah. I, what i was hoping for what i was really working towards was minus 12. yeah yeah technically one person has done this before but um he i mean all spinal injuries are different mine was a severance of the spinal cord which just means that it was like more or less as severe as it's going to get. Mm. But a, a huge source of inspiration for me with all of this was um, uh, a, a guy from the army, Major Phil Packer, MBE. So he's now got an MBE for his achievements in terms of the marathon and he, he rode the English Channel. Uh, he climbed El Capitan in Yosemite okay. Park. Um, when I say climbed, I'm, I mean like... I don't know what you call it, like the opposite to abseiling, like with a, with a rope, you know, he pulled yeah. himself up. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Took him three days, camped out at different parts wow. of the cliff face along the way. Um, But point being is that's kind of, that's what I based this stuff off. Um, And yeah, that's how highly that this stuff is acknowledged now. This guy's got an MBE for it, for mm. his for his stuff. Not, not that like I'm kind of, working towards that because I'm just trying to get myself better at the end of the day but I'm um, sorry my point was he done it in 14 hours and I done it in minus 12 so yeah. that was that's me that that's me sporting and a, a, an athletic mentality coming yeah. into it so deep down I wanted to beat this yeah, guy's course, time yeah um and yeah you know it got done but I um I, I think if it wasn't for 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 for, for Phil Packer doing this then I don't I don't think I would have mm. kind of been thinking along those lines, yeah. you know. So yeah, and for your for, that, for your for your um your journey personally as well is from what I understand was medical history as well in the sense that you're the first person who suffered from a severance of a spinal cord yeah. to complete a full <laughs> marathon. Yeah, exactly. So that's another thing that really motivated us and kind of drove us on, I guess. And when I'm talking about changing the perception of this stuff, um, that's just kind of the credentials that I've now got to back yeah. that stuff up now. Yeah. You know, I've got a marathon medal around my neck. 
now to to back that stuff up yet. So it's yeah. we have we've made medical history, yeah. but hopefully I won't be the last person to accomplish a of feat of this yeah. size now as well. It's so setting the path for for hopefully many others to come. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we are. We're sparking a movement, you know. So, I mean, people reach out to me all over the world now on social media, mainly on Instagram. I I, I try and coach people online a, a little bit. It's mm. time consuming, so I'm a lot of the time I've got a lot of time to to do that. Like, kind of after the marathon, I needed to recover, so I've been a little bit quiet mm. recently. But in general, yeah, you know, I'm, I send a lot of people training programs and routines and people will send me videos of them doing yeah. exercises oh, wow. and I'll try and tweak that and I'll say, look, mate, you need to be bringing your hips forward a little bit in, in this point. Yeah, You need to be contracting the left side of your core a little bit more here just to keep the all the body in sync. Yeah, You need to be producing a equal 50-50 weight distribution on the right and left leg mm -hmm. in this movement and when you're standing and... <clears throat> You know, just trying to play me part a little bit, yeah. and um, the motto that we live by it with the with the charity that, that I now work with is making a difference. So that's what it's all about. Now we're not saying we're going to change the world, you know, but but you might change someone's world. Exactly, mate. Yeah. So if one person can benefit from what we do, then you know, then that that that's all the motivation yeah. that I need now at this yeah, point. Which is you know, it's incredible just to hear it, let alone you know, making it a kind of reality for someone and others. Um, but so in that whole period of training and getting into the mindset for the marathon, what was the toughest moment or challenge that you faced in that time? In the marathon specific training camp? Oh yeah, either in the marathon itself or whilst you were preparing for it and training for it. Okay, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> Toughest part of the marathon was the mental aspect in the end. And my foot, I didn't say this to anyone because I knew that the coaches would have a problem, but I was fighting a lot of pain in my feet. And I didn't realise this until I got home, took my shoes off, but my feet had been bleeding like you know, profusely. There was, really? uh, it, it was, <coughs> I had white socks on too. So we're actually going to frame the socks in our gym, believe it or not. The gym want me to sign it and write arm also better never stops and whatever. Yeah. So we're gonna put me medal up, me marathon number, t shirt and the socks. Wow. So the hardest thing was kind of the pain that was going in, it got going on, I guess, down below in my foot. And the and the mental aspect. The mental aspect was definitely the hardest. I kept I constantly kept I mean, I've got my own sources of inspiration, you know. Mm. A lot of them are professional athletes. Yeah. I try and base what I do on the lifestyle of a professional athlete. So we, we've got a mate in the UFC, um, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. And for some reason, I, I mean, I can't script or rehearse where my mind's going to be doing these things. <clears throat> but for, for whatever reason it was, Danny was in my head loads. Because mm -hmm. I've watched him really, like, be, I've watched him kind of fight to the death in, in, in the cage, in the octagon, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, these people, these provide me with serious motivation, you yeah. know, and, and drive and grit and determination. So whenever I was kind of thinking along those lines, that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of, 
what would Danny do in this situation? What would Dean do in this situation? Yeah. And, and and just our mates who were in the combat kind of world, you know. <clears throat> so that got me through it. But yeah, I mean, it's tough to kind of, other than just say the mental aspect of it all, it's tough to really say one exact moment yeah. of what the hardest thing was. Because, <clears throat> like I said, I was just on autopilot yeah. from start to finish. Once I started, I knew I'd get it done at the end of it. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was really deep at the end as well. We haven't touched on this yet, but our friend who we lost, Michael Malloy, yeah, he left some incredible music behind. Yeah, I was, was going to bring this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Michael's spirit is always with us. Whenever we do this stuff, and. That's helped a lot with making this stuff kind of a success and just kind of in terms of motivating me, why, you know, because you have to ask yourself a lot of time, why do you want to do it? Why do you want to push mm. yourself that much? But um, yeah, Michael's spirits really, really gets me through the tough times. And I'd say about 20, <clears throat> maybe 23, 24 miles in. We put Michael's music on, and it was just on repeat and repeat and repeat. And it was like he he was with us that night. Mm. <clears throat> he really was. And things got deep, man. Things got deep and emotional, you know. Mm. People were crying at the end of it. I was really choked up. Michael's mum was down. She walked a lot of it with us, and she was present at the end. And... um. In loads of ways, that was one of the hardest things to to, to kind of deal with mentally as well. Because mm. even though his spirit carried me over the line and pushes us through the tough times, it's a constant reminder of what happened and that he's not with us anymore. You know, so um, I think that that was the hardest thing to yeah. deal with on the night. Yeah. Yeah. And you've mentioned that you know his parents were there or his mum, and you had you know I was fortunate enough to to come down for the last. I think it was five miles or so. Yeah. Well, I was on my bike. You were was, a legend, man. I was you, cheating you, a bit. You, you were driving off, getting waters for the troops, and yeah, yeah. we needed that stuff. That's an important thing to note. You know, that was a team effort yeah. that we done that day. We had a group of I don't know. It was ranging between twenty and probably fifty people at yeah. times, but everyone had a role to play. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't really rehearsed. We all just. Yeah. Everyone just knew on the day, like one of our mates was on navigation duties. Um, you know, we had two coaches. We had a kind of a, a, a PA who was like behind the scenes moving luggage from one hotel at the start line to another at yeah. the finish line. And, and then we had yourself providing waters. We had someone else running off, getting food and drinks and supplies. You yeah. know? So it was a... It was a team effort, man. Yeah. Was it in, important for you then to have such a close-knit circle around you while you, you know, completed what was essentially your mission for the day? Yeah, mission for life, man. Yeah, well, life, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, of course, it was so yeah. important. What I've found throughout all of these milestones is that I need people around me. I need to thrive off me friends' energy, you know, and, and just my loved ones in general. Yeah. So I know if these people are around me and I'm in the zone, then I'm not going to stop regardless. Yeah. So yeah, it was so important. Yeah, it played an amazing, yeah. you know, factor in it all. And there's, there's an amazing bit of footage, which I think you put up on your Instagram, which is 
there's a it's, it's literally a scene it, that's what it is it's like a scene from a movie where there's 30 40 people sort of you know charging down this tunnel and it's dark and it's yeah. nighttime and the lighting's just incredible and you've got michael's music blaring yeah, it's blasting and it's just it, it honestly it looks like a trailer to some sort of epic movie and i think there's a real power in that i don't know how long the clip is 30 40 seconds or whatever it is but there's a real power in that really sums up the spirit and the kind of energy that was amongst the group and it, it for me that was a moment that kind of you could watch that and be like okay i get this i get yeah. what you all what went this is about because a lot of the guys and yeah. girls who were there completed the you know 11 and was it, 11 hours 45 minutes with you yeah and you know again i was i was there at the finish line when you did get over the line and everyone was just like there was a sense of relief and people were shattered and there was tears of joy, tears of, you know, yeah. everything. And it was a real sort of emotional moment. And, you know, your coaches were there and the guys from the from Prime were there and your parents and friends. And, and it was this real kind of togetherness, man, Yeah, togetherness, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, we, we it was, you know, it was. It, it was a group efforts and achievements. It really was. And one of the funny things, what I, what, what I didn't realise until the end was how knackered everyone else was. Yeah. Now, I, I, I actually didn't realise this, but everyone's told me afterwards, like, you carried us over the line yeah, that yeah. night. I've got mates saying to me, I yeah. can't believe you're better at walking than me. Yeah. <laughs> One of my mates fainted when we got to the reception. Really? Yeah, he literally, he ended up on his knees and then passed out on the floor. Yeah. And he had to be, like, given water and stuff yeah. like that wow. to regain consciousness. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I trained for it. Yeah. I was ready for it physically and mentally. I trained relentlessly for this <clears throat> but I've got an injury you know so we just thought that me mates would turn up collectively we all thought that because these guys haven't got an, hadn't had an injury <clears throat> that they could just turn up and walk it yeah. and it would be fine you know yeah. we, we, just, we just stroll along with you for 12 <laughs> hours and everything will be okay <laughs> Yeah, I, the thing that I found quite funny was the fact that on that kind of last four or five miles that I came along to, that everyone individually, when I spoke to people, everyone had something to moan about my feet, and, yeah. and there was you, you know, there yeah, with your headphones. Apparently, it was only me who didn't moan. You the, literally, you were the only person that I didn't hear moan about anything, and you were the one who was probably had it the toughest yeah. in, in terms of, you know, what you said mentally and everything. Definitely. But I love. I did love the moment at at the finish line, and I even went through that thing of, you know, I was on the bike and I got to a point where I was like, Jesus, it's pretty late. It's like yeah. I got work in the morning. I was like, should I go home? And I was like, no, I can't go home. Nah. Zach's done this <laughs> yeah. whole day, and he's dedicated however many years and months and everything to this. It's like I can't just duck out and go like, oh, see you later, guys. It's like I want to see it yeah. through to the end. Thanks, bro. You know, that was really the first time we actually that, met as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, even for me, it was like a real like this is a thing. Um, but there was a really funny moment at the finish line where you said you got about halfway in and you just thought, why on earth have I signed up for this? Yeah. <laughs> it, like I said, I didn't realise how far it was going to be. Mm. Even though we'd done 21 miles, technically we'd done 21 miles on a phone, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally to the footstep. Yeah. But... What I realised is that a marathon distance, like it was like we was on this big epic expedition yeah. in the end. Like we were really like kind of on a 
on a trek to the North Pole against the extremes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was so extreme, man. And that's what I didn't realise until I was halfway through. Yeah. And m- one of my mates said that, that, like, it was me mate who fainted, actually, in the end. He, he said that it really hit him when he said he'd walked 20 miles. And, he, and like, that 20 miles was by far the longest he'd ever done. Yeah. He was like, so... He said, so, I, you know, I'd walked 20 miles and he was slacking at the back and he said it just hit me. It was like six more. No way. <laughs> six miles is a long way, you know. Yeah. He's like, I've done 20 miles and six more to do. Yeah. Little did he know there was nine In more. Room, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So it's quite funny the way it all yeah. panned out on the day. I mean, no one expected it to be as much of a kind of mission as it was. Yeah. But I think that that's why doing a marathon is regarded as such a massive achievement in someone's life yeah. everyone that day without an injury achieved something special in their own individual mm. sense you know in their yeah. own lives but the fact that we got that i got told i'd never take one more step again in my life and we done 29 miles sixty-five thousand footsteps it was is a huge achievement you know for for spinal cord injury and paralysis recovery as a whole worldwide so mm. Let the movement begin, man. Yeah. So, so what's next for you then? Because you've just, you know, this weekend, as we're recording, you just completed another uh, swim. Um, was it championships or? Uh... Yeah. So, I'm an international level swimmer too. So, swimming has always just been a side job. Swimming's always just been another physio session to me, for the recovery as a whole. It complements everything, you know. I, I mean, it makes perfect sense when you're. I I needed a new sport. Mm. I couldn't play football anymore and I couldn't do combat sports anymore. Mm. So I needed something new. So swimming just seemed perfect. Everyone knows that swimming is, you know, it's 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 widely accepted that swimming is one of the best forms of exercise yeah. that you can do for your all-round kind of physique and strength. Um, and like I said to you, it was an amazing way to get out of the wheelchair at first. Yeah. So once I was in the water, I was free. I was free from the injury, you know. So it it it, it kind of just happened. Um, we found a coach. Someone came down, done a trial with me. They must have seen something, and they fast tracked me through the kind of classification processes and stuff really like that, like and that. got me straight on board with British swimming. Yeah. Straight into a regional competition, a northwest competition, um, which I won in the fifty meter freestyle. I've toyed around with different events here and there: breaststroke, four hundred meter freestyle, hundred meter freestyle. <clears throat> but fifties, or, or kind of, that's my bag, you know. Yeah, that's my yeah. forte. So, I won the fifty in the northwest. That qualified me for the nationals. First time round, I, I won a gold at the nationals, which is a big thing, you know. So I've kind of burst onto the swimming scene all of a sudden, and it's only a side job. As time's progressed, you know, we've started getting better and better and better. But it's still been difficult to really commit to this sport because my priority is recovery. Yeah. And always will be. Yeah. But I believe that now I've reached a sense of satisfaction in terms of walking again. So I don't think I've got any further points to prove to myself now. In terms of, okay, I'm walking again. Okay, yeah, I've got the sticks. I've got crutches when I walk. I can walk unaided. 
But the last thing that I want right now is another injury. Mm. I'm totally fine and comfortable now with having a set of sticks. People just think that I've hurt my ankle and, you know, playing football or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great to me because in the early days I was in a wheelchair, so I used to suffer a lot with patronisation. You know, people used to really kind of talk down to me as if I didn't have a brain between my ears. And that was tough mentally, really tough. So the fact that that's behind me now and I'm walking crazy distances on the sticks, I don't need the wheelchair anymore. That's going to enable me now to kind of focus more on the swimming. That's my point. Yeah. So I'm thinking about going full time with swimming. Yeah. In the international tournaments that I've just competed in, basically, when I done the national championship in December, that qualified me for something called the the World Series. Yeah. So I've just been in a competition with more or less all of the most kind of well, res- well known, well respected people in the para swimming world. So, um, you know, there was people from all over, Team Malaysia with Australia, Brazil, Portugal, Japan, China, Mm. America, you name it. All the the big hitters are there. And everyone represents their countries. And then there's me just paddling around there, doing it for myself and for the charity and the recovery. And it's pretty amazing, really. I mean, it's something I'm really proud of, to be honest, because I'm the only guy walking around representing, you know, a physio, um, yeah. a recovery story on my yeah, back. Wow, Everyone else yeah. is swim-specific. But it just so happens that I can swim. You know, more f- faster than most people in the UK now. Yeah, wow. In, in, especially in my category. Yeah. Um. But almost as fast as 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 you know the, the the big names on the world stage, you know. Mm. So I hit a new PB anyway, which is great. But the best thing that I could have asked for to come out of this swimming meet was finding a solid coach. Yeah. So like I said, I kind of just turn up and do it. Mm. I've got a coach in Spain, but I only understand forty percent of what she's telling me. <laughs> You know, yeah. so I mean, my Spanish is okay, but I need to really study the physics now of what's yeah. going on underneath the water. Like, there's so many tiny technicalities that can speed you up by just point two of a second. Yeah, which is massive in a fifty meter sprint. Yeah. So, I need someone to really get the underwater cameras out and analyze my strokes, like the angle that I'm approaching the water at. There's like five stages of a stroke, you know, so. There's different, there's different forces of power with different angles that you need to, to kind yeah. of create. And it's so technical. Yeah. So, what I'm saying anyway is that I found an amazing coach. So we've we've decided to do a session in Spain. I haven't done one with him yet. But there's a famous swimmer called Ellie Simmons, mm-hmm. who's really kind of well known. She's really decorated Paralympian. And um, she's she she's like world record holder, you know. So I was having a meal in in a in a restaurant in Sheffield, just outside the arena where we were competing, and I saw Ellie Simmons in there. Um, I, I was I was dressed in the like the kind of official British swimming rig at the time. Yeah. So they looked over. They saw that I was part of the event. Kind of. Give me the nod. I give. I I I said hello to them too. 
but we didn't have a chat there and then anyway I've wanted to approach someone for about 18 months now but kind of not really just just not really had it in me to do so I guess so I've done the 50 meter freestyle in 36.06 seconds which for an S6 swimmer is pretty damn fast for someone who hasn't got a coach especially yeah you know, that, that's only a second away, I think, or two seconds max from justifying to Team GB, get me on a development program. <clears throat> so anyway, I, I done that and then I saw this coach poolside and I approached him and I just introduced myself politely and just said, you know, my name's Zach Washington Young, this is what I'm doing, <clears throat> swimming's just a kind of another physio session to me, this is what I've achieved recently. Um, but now I want to go full time with the swimming. But I just need guidance, you know. Yeah. So I think that this this guy kind of liked what I had to say. Um, coincidentally, he likes going to Barcelona. He, he does a, bit, a lot of swimming coaching in Barcelona, where I live, and we've arranged to kind of link up. So I think that hopefully, fingers crossed, mm. if I can impress on the day of this kind of trial, you know. Yeah. Then this could be the start of a kind of you know, a career in the, in the swimming yeah. world for me now. Wow. So, yeah, That'd I mean... incredible. Yeah, so... Yeah. It's exciting times for yeah. me, man. It so, really so is. to that extent then, would you say that Team GB and the Paralympics is kind of on your radar and with the kind of mentality that, you know, we've we've heard about for this past hour or so, is that something that you, you want to target personally? Personally, I would love to. Um... There's no guarantees to say that I'll be able to do it. But, I mean, if I can go from motor complete paralysis to completing a London Marathon, who's to say I can't, you know? Yeah. So, I'm just going to try and apply the same attitude, mentality, dedication to the swimming now. Give it 12 months and figure it out from there. I usually work in 12-month blocks, you know? So, I'm going to give it 12 months, I think, full-time. I can't afford to let the legs <coughs> slack, though, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, there's still going to be a lot of strength and conditioning going on in the legs, but I'm going to mainly commit to the swimming now, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that, that's if this guy likes what he sees, you know, but he sounds like the real deal. Billy Pye, MBE, his name is. So this guy's got an MBE after his name for his work in the swimming world. So right. Making a connection like that is probably the best thing that I could have asked for yeah. to come off the back of this tournament that I've yeah. just done. So, season's over yeah. for me now, man. It's time yeah. to chill a little bit. And a new journey may begin. So, listen, I mean, that all sounds incredible. And obviously, you know, I'm going to fully back you no matter from what distance or however I can, you know. like Thanks, bro. It just, just seeing it is, is massively inspiring and... Um, you know, before we fully wrap up, I've got a couple more questions. But, you know, even for me, getting up in the morning to go to the gym. So I normally get up around 20 past six, half six to, to hit the gym at 7 a.m. as part of my morning routine. And there's mornings where genuinely I'm like, man, I'm tired. And, you know, all the excuses settle in. But then something in my head every now and then goes, but Zach done the marathon. <laughs> really? Honestly, genuinely, nice, like, Zach done the marathon. I'm like, fuck. And for me, man, it's 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 incredible to see, and it goes from my head like if you if you've been able to you know put yourself with all of that and that entire journey, 
I can get out of bed like that one morning and jog to the gym and yeah, do a full nice. hour workout, you know? So, and I think that will, will ring true for a lot of people having heard this story and seeing your journey. Um, but I'm going to flip things back onto you a little bit now. <laughs> so thank you, by the way. I really appreciate that. Man. No, thank Before you. Before you move on. It's, you know, I appreciate you being here as well. Um, so dream is disease, obviously the name of the podcast. So <laughs> to me, I explain this in the sense that dream is disease is, I see it as it's the disease of dreaming that stops us from taking action on our goals and the things we want to achieve because we're content with sitting back and admiring what it could be rather than taking the action on what we want to do and getting there for ourselves. What would you say is your definition of the dreamer's disease? Um, I'd say it's ex taking exception and listening. Not just listening, but kind of absorbing other people's negativity, if that makes sense. It's important for me to surround myself with positivity and positive people and people who are kind of pushing, pushing not just me, but themselves in the right direction, you know? Yeah. So for me, that was like the hospital, for example. I needed to remove myself from the hospital environment that I was. That was the disease. That was the thing that stopped me from dreaming, mm. being in that sense, in that system, as I you know refer to it all the time yeah. so I mean I've never been back there for example to the hospital a lot of people say to me all the time why haven't you been back to see that doctor I got one of the doctors said to me if if you walk again I will eat my tie so a lot of people say why don't you go back but I just want to remove myself from that yeah. negativity man you know that's in the past that that's not that that's not where I'm vibing at these days yeah. you know so that's um that's probably what I'd say yeah. to, to remove yourself from those kind of vibes, you know, yeah. just surround yourself with positivity. Yeah. That's great. I like that. So it's a very important message. Um, and then final question for you. And, and, you know, you might well say, well, I've already done it or I've already, I'm already doing it or, or whatever. But for you, what would you say is your ultimate happiness goal? Satisfaction, I think. <clears throat> To just to be content with myself inside of, of, of where I am and what my purpose is on this world now. Mm. I don't necessarily believe that I was kind of injured for a purpose, you know. A, a, a lot of people say that things happen for a reason and stuff. Whether they do or don't, I don't know. But I'm just rolling with it, you know. It's what's happened has happened. And mm. if I can kind of use that... Not for my advantage, but for the greater good of kind of many other people in humanity, if you like, you know, yeah. then, you know, fantastic. And if I can sleep better at night knowing that I've kind of made a difference in the world by doing so, then fantastic. Bring yeah. it on. Amazing. And just to sign out, um, where can people find you online? How can they follow your journey? How can they uh, donate to the cause? Um, what's all the info we need basically to find yeah, so you keep up to date I've been documenting all of this recovery since the start on my Instagram page which is ZachWY so it's Z-A-C-H underscore W-Y that's the best way to, to get me to keep up to date with my journey to you know just to see what's going on 
And on there, there's a link to my bio for my fundraising page. Technically, the fundraising page is going to... Um, if it stops three months after the marathon, so it's gonna close in about six weeks or something, yeah. I think. But then after that, there's gonna be a constant, you know, year-round opportunity link for people to donate on my charity's website. So yeah. the charity that I represent is called the Rupert Spinal Trust. In short, this is the RS Trust, the RST. Rupert is R O O P R A I. Spinal Trust, um, and yeah, you know this. The, the, that's my team. So anyone who wants to to keep up to date with stuff, I'd say Instagram first and foremost. Yeah. But in terms of donations, um, you know, the charity work is long term now yet. So yeah. find me on either of them two things. Yeah. We have just launched a YouTube channel. We haven't went public with that yet. This is actually the first time now, technically, <laughs> going public with that. So, um, Zach Washington Young is my name. Z A C H Washington Young. So, find me on YouTube yeah. and keep up to date with what we're doing, man. Amazing, man. Well, I'm going to very much enjoy watching your journey continue and you grow and, you know, with everything that you're going to, I'm sure, go on to do and, and complete and achieve and all the amazing things that you've got coming for you. So, Sweet, man. You know, it's been a real pleasure, man. I appreciate nice. the time because, like I said, for me, it's been massively inspiring meeting you, hearing the story, um, and I'm sure other people will kind of get that from you and will be able to take a lot from this. So, yeah, nice. Hopefully, really so. It, Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. So, thanks for having me on. So, there we have it, guys. That's Zach's story. And as I said at the very start, you know, such an inspirational guy. And to go through everything he's been through and still have such a great, positive mental attitude is, is huge, you know. And I really learned power of a positive mindset and how that can really change everything and your perception on your life and the world and everything you're kind of experiencing. And, you know, it goes to show everything he's been through and what he's achieving and what he's striving for and what he represents that. Your life is really what you make of it. And if you're not out there and you're not doing the things that you love, you're really not making the most of your life. So I really hope you took something from this. As ever, if you want to connect with me on Instagram or on Twitter, it's at IamAlexManzi. I've also just launched a Facebook page. So you can check that out by searching Alex Manzi or IamAlexManzi on Facebook to find a page where there'll be loads of content, videos, blogs, write-ups, quotes, everything. And I love to connect with you guys. So whatever platform you use the most, I'll be there and we can connect and I'd love to chat to you guys. So that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. It's time to go out there and chase your dreams. This podcast is produced by Unedited.